0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we welcome you into a signing day edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Dreyer, senior analyst for BOL with you three times per week. This one on NSD... 2020, although it doesn't feel as much like National Signing Day, even from just, what, three years ago or so? With the early signing period coming into play a couple of years back, this is what we're left with. Alabama with 22 signees during the early period back in December. uh, It's down to a precious few slots for this Alabama class, and we'll get more into that, sort of preview the day from the Alabama perspective Coming up a little bit later on in the podcast, you did have uh, college basketball action last night at Coleman Coliseum. Unfortunately for the Alabama Crimson Tide, another close home game, another close home loss as the Crimson Tide falls 69-68 to to the Tennessee Volunteers, thus after leading by 15 points in the first half and really a sort of end-half situation. Uh, That went pretty poorly for Alabama to close out the first 20 minutes seeped over into the first few moments of the second half and then you're in a dogfight against a team in Tennessee just as desperate and just of dire need just as much of dire need of a win as Alabama was going into last night's game the Vols entered the contest having lost three in a row Alabama as we know coming off an 0-2 week from a week ago Uh, so There you were in the final seconds with the ball in the hands of your playmaker, Kyra Lewis Jr., Alabama down two with an opportunity to either win it with a three or tie the game and head to overtime with a bucket. Kyra does what you expect him to do because Tennessee for much of the game, especially in the second half, was challenging Alabama out on the perimeter to really try to get to the bucket. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. Alabama obviously shoots the three at a, at a higher clip than pretty much any other team in the Southeastern Conference. But also Tennessee has the ability to defend the rim. Eves Ponds, uh, the the forward for Tennessee, leads the SEC in shot blocks. And so there, there was that sense that, okay, even if you beat us initially off the dribble, we're going to have an opportunity at the rim to sort of challenge you Uh, At the tail end of those drives and that's kind of what happened to Kyra there on that final push makes a nice pass to Jalen Forbes Forbes takes the power dribble to kind of collect himself and in doing so likely allowed ponds the opportunity to cover some ground and end up making the block that essentially ended the Crimson Tide's hopes of a tie game there late in regulation and not to throw Jalen Forbes under the bus at all. Jalen Forbes earlier in the half hit a three that put Alabama up by 10. I think a strong argument can be made that Alabama never should have been in the situation it was in there in the final seconds of the second half of regulation. Uh, But that was the case. Forbes had his shot blocked. Uh, And again, a situation that it's hard not to think about what if, Herbert Jones is healthy because in that situation, an in-game situation, you have to think that that's Herbert Jones perhaps in that situation instead of Jalen Forbes. And with Herb's ability to finish at the rim, uh, you would like his chances obviously a great deal more. Although, again, I think Forbes is going to be a nice player. He's just being thrust into a situation right now that uh, you know Nate Oates and his staff I'm sure would – would rather be, not be the case. You would obviously rather have Herb Jones. Uh, and you would like to have some big men left at the end of regulation, right? All three of Alabama's post players fouled out. Two of them before Alabama, before the game got under, what, the five-minute mark there in regulation. You already had JV and Davis out of the game. Uh, Alex Reese fouled out on what was essentially a frustration foul. And I know, look. We all like to get on the referees, but you know when the discrepancy is uh, 26 fouls to 14, you probably earned some of those 26 fouls. And you know there are some of those sort of metrics that you can always check with Alabama basketball. Now that you understand the kind of game that this team is going to play on the offensive end under Nate Oats, there's a couple of three columns you can look at in the box score and typically get a pretty good feel as to how things went for Alabama in that particular game. And uh, Tuesday night was no different. You know, Alabama turns the basketball over 20 times, including 12 times in the first half, really helped Tennessee down that clumsy finish to the first half, shrink that lead from 15 to 8 going into the break. Uh, you can look at offensive rebounding once again. Tennessee with a decided edge there. Uh, I believe it was 19 offensive rebounds for Tennessee in the game compared to nine for Alabama. Yeah. So second chance points went in the ball's favor. Points off turnovers went in the ball's favor. Something Alabama typically does well and wins, uh, gets to the free throw line at a high rate. That didn't happen Tuesday night. Alabama just eight trips to the free throw line. Kind of similar to what happened uh, uh, in the Arkansas game, right? Last weekend. Uh, Alabama in that game, though, did get there 24 times. It was the LSU game that I'm thinking of where Alabama wasn't able to really get to the line much. It was better against Arkansas, but then it was back to sort of the midweek blues at the free throw line in terms of getting there enough. Just eight free throws for Alabama in the game against Tennessee. Made five of those. Meanwhile, Tennessee... It seemed like Tennessee shot double bonus the whole second half. (laughs) Tennessee was in the bonus for more than half of the second half uh, and was in the double bonus for much of the uh, second half of the second half. So uh, Tennessee gets to the free throw line 32 times, makes 23 of those. So you're outscored by 18 at the free throw line, if you're Alabama, and uh, you know the points off turnovers, the second chance points, that, that bad finish to the first half, and then you're still up eight, and then you come out to start the second half, and you immediately give up a couple of second chance buckets. You don't get defensive boards on a couple of possessions by Tennessee, uh, and Tennessee capitalizes on those uh, for second chance points, and it's a four-point game, and then again, you're in sort of dogfight mode from that point forward. Alabama did get it back to 10 a short time later, again, with that Forbes 3, uh, but just not able to finish the game in a way that uh, Nate Oates would certainly prefer. Oates in the postgame, he spoke to how important that game was last night. He, he totally gets it, and Nate's pretty transparent in his thoughts. Good, bad, and different. He's going to tell you what he thinks and he knows what's still to come. Alabama now at twelve and ten overall, and four and five in the league, uh, very much trending in the wrong direction. If you're talking about NCAA tournament hopes, that's that's a given. That's that's obvious. I think at this point now, you're trying to preserve your postseason just in general, you know, because you go to Georgia on the road Saturday, and that's a game a week and a half ago. Maybe some Alabama fans were going ahead and penciling in as a win. I don't think you can do that. Uh, you know, I think it's it's kind of it's kind of uh believed anyway that Anthony Edwards of Georgia is gonna be the best player on the court at Stegman Coliseum on Saturday, so that will still be a challenge. Then you look at next week and what this sort of three game losing streak also does to you if you're Alabama. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? When you go to Auburn midweek next week, and then you bring LSU in here the following, uh, a week from Saturday, you know, if you take care of business to the extent of this four-game stretch that Alabama has been through with LSU and Arkansas and Tennessee on Tuesday night, and now Georgia coming up this weekend, you go three and one through there, you know, you can afford a split, maybe even an 0 for 2 in that next week with Auburn and LSU. What you're putting yourself in position to have to do now to really have any semblance of realistic hope for the NCAA tournament is go 2-0. That means winning on the road at Auburn, which is extremely difficult to do. And give Auburn credit, a very impressive gutty road win on Tuesday night at Arkansas it was down double digits came back on the road, got that game into overtime before eventually taking down the Hogs there uh, at at Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville. And so that's the hole you've dug yourself now if you're this Alabama basketball team. So uh, still some basketball to be played. Still some basketball to be played, but a lot to clean up. Uh, And again, with Herb Jones out, you know you're you're putting even more of the load on guys like Kyra and John Petty and and Kyra you know once again with five turnovers but he played on the ball for 36 minutes uh, he finishes with 19 points pretty efficient performance 8 of 15 from the field 3 of 5 from uh, 3 but didn't get to the free throw line again Alabama's a team just eight attempts from the free throw line uh, he had four assists uh, three rebounds so a solid performance from Kyra Lewis junior john petty though you know he's kind of i wouldn't say it's a slump but it's certainly not the torrid pace that we saw from petty a couple weeks ago petty with eight points on just eight shots one of four from three he did have 11 of alabama's 33 rebounds though so that was a bright spot for john petty but just giving the ball up too much you know turning the ball up turning the ball over too much um going through these stretches of uh you know, looking a little too much like last year's team at this point in the season. But Georgia on the road Saturday, we'll see if Alabama can bounce back. Speaking of not really bouncing back because this is an Alabama football recruiting class that's really just trying to vault itself forward after a very successful run through the early signing date with those aforementioned 22 signees, 13 of which are already on campus here in Tuscaloosa. Now it's about putting the icing on the proverbial cake, or is it the proverbial icing on the proverbial cake? I never get that right. Anyway, Alabama uh, looking to close out this signing day with some new faces to the commitment slash signee list. Uh, you keep up with the stuff there. The recruiting info, certainly with Tim Watts and Hank South with us at BamaOnline.com. Today will be no different. You will absolutely want to post up on the roundtable because pretty much from about the time you even are hearing this podcast, throughout the day, there are going to be signings. There's going to be news related to this Alabama uh, recruiting class, and it's going to start early. Hank did such a great job of this on the roundtable of laying out the announcement times throughout today. Javon Baker, the Alabama commitment, expected to sign along with Jamil Burrows at 6.30 Central this morning. Ennis Rakestraw, the cornerback target, uh, out of Duncanville, Texas, expected to sign at 8 a.m. Central. And then the biggest fish, It would seem anyway, literally and figuratively. McKinley Jackson, the defensive lineman from Loosedale, Mississippi. He's set to go at 9.30 this morning. Uh, Cedric Van Pran, the interior offensive lineman from the New Orleans area, took the late official visit to Alabama. He will finalize his decision, perhaps it's Georgia, at 10 a.m. Central. Damian George, the Alabama Commitment. Set to sign in the Houston area at 11 a.m. After lunchtime, Jason Jones, the longtime Alabama commitment who has looked to have been more of maybe an Oregon situation here down the stretch. He will sign at 2 p.m. Central. And then Alfred Collins, the defensive end prospect, the four-star from Bastrop, Texas, will cap things at 350 uh, in the afternoon with his signing So that's how it's going to lay out for you You know when you look at sort of the projections Of the guys who really know this stuff And I'll, I'll continue to tell you When it comes to that Tim Watts, Hank South You're just not going to do any better I, I, can, I can promise you that um, If you're keeping up with what Tim And Hank are telling you As a premium subscriber To BamaOnline.com Shouldn't be any real surprises going throughout the day. Should be a couple of additions uh, when you look to the West. Uh, and then, you know, you finalize the commitments uh, with guys like Javon Baker and Jamil Burroughs and Damian George. You get up into sort of that 27-28 total, it looks like, if you include Carl Perkins, the North Carolina grad transfer in that mix as well. So if it plays out the way that Hank and... Tim are forecasting and again if you're a member of BamaOnline.com you've seen these predictions here in the last 18 to 24 hours from both Tim and Hank if it plays out the way that their crystal balls are working with McKinley Jackson and Enos Rakestraw it's very likely Alabama will finish with the number one recruiting class in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings so there you go You've got that to look forward to throughout the day. And really a class when you go position by position. And we'll have Tim on. And Tim and myself actually really went through this class uh, last week on, on one of the podcasts here on the Built by Bama online podcast. You've got the quarterback and Bryce Young. You've got the running backs and Roydell Williams, Jason McClellan, Kyle Edwards, two of those three guys already on campus and Roy Dell Williams and Jason McClellan. Uh, You look at the wide receiver position, uh, Tyoo Jones-Bell, Javon Baker, um, and you've also got Treshawn Holden. You've already got Jones-Bell and Holden on campus for spring ball. Um, You go around the offensive line, and I'm kind of working through this list here. Uh, You go through the offensive line. You flipped Javion Cohen. From Auburn to Alabama later in the early period. Um, who else do you got? Seth McLaughlin, the interior offensive lineman from Buford, Georgia in that mix too. Uh, you look at uh, the tight end position. We talked about uh, already uh, Carl Tucker coming in as a grad transfer. But Caden Clark from Akron, Ohio coming off that knee injury in the fall. So we'll see him, I would guess, in the summer. Uh, You move over to the defensive side of the ball, and man, the edge defender list looks really, really good when you consider Will Anderson, Chris Braswell, the expected presence of Drew Sanders at the edge position. Those guys already on campus, inside linebackers, Demoy Kennedy, Jackson Bratton, uh, that's before you get to the summer enrollees like Q Robinson. That's certainly going to be in that mix as well up front on that defensive line. If you close it out with McKinley Jackson to go along with Tim Smith um, and Jamil Burrows as far as your your interior types, Jamarian Latham also uh, in that group. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work up front. And then in your secondary, you know, you've got some guys that. Uh, You signed in the early period. You've got an early enrollee uh, on the back end of that defense. Well, yeah, you do. Jacquez Robinson being one of those. And Ronald Williams, the junior college corner, also in that mix as an early enrollee as well. Ronald Williams kind of reminds me or makes me think of what uh, Ennis Rakestraw might be in a couple years. When you go back and look at Ronald Williams coming out of high school, he was a guy that was desperately in need of some bulk and some mass. Uh, now, two years, uh, a couple of years after uh, his time in junior college, uh, he's up to 190 pounds. That's kind of the way you envision Ennis Rakestraw perhaps progressing throughout the process uh, in his first year or two in the program. But, you know, you've got a guy like Brian Branch coming in the summer at the safety position. Christian Story, an athlete that you could project. Uh, in that defensive backfield malachi moore another safety prospect that'll be here in the summer so you've added some real quality there in the defensive secondary i think that covers just about all of it or what could be all of it in this 2020 recruiting cycle for the alabama crimson tide going to be good stuff though throughout the day you're going to again want to keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. That's going to do it for a National Signing Day edition of Daybreak. Thank you, as always, for tuning in here on the Built by Bama Online podcast. We'll do a special pod at some point on Wednesday, perhaps into Thursday, with Tim Watts, site publisher. We'll talk about some of the newsier aspects of National Signing Day in relation to this Alabama class That all and more is coming to you on the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great rest of your Wednesday.